Welcome to a brand new episode of Sequel Rights, the podcast where we take a look at the franchises that make you go, they made how many of those? And we give each and every sequel a fair trial. My name is Justin Camps and I'm here with Elizabeth Helley and Tyler Hymanson. And we have a very special episode in store for you guys this week. It's um, rare. It's rare that we have once we've done a series that we yes. get a new entry. In fact, it's so rare that I, you know, I think this is something we've been waiting for a long time. I know we stepped out for the uh, Purge TV series, yes, Good, yeah. but I think this is the first time that one of our franchises is re- releasing a full-fledged new sequel. That's right. Uh, and we're here to talk about it with a very special guest. You may remember him from our Rambo 3 episode. Matthew Feichens is back, the writer of Dragonheart Vengeance, the new movie. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you very much. Very happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're excited to talk through this new new uh, episode in the series. That's right. I keep saying episode every it's, time. Well, episode, entry. <laughs> entry. There film. you go. Yeah. It's, yeah that that <laughs> yeah. language has taken over our lives. Uh, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> You're not the only one. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Was, there was the joke on the Oscars of just like, I love the first season of The Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was a fantastic yeah. joke. That was good. Yeah, and thanks to everybody that reached out to ask us if we were going to do Dragonheart Vengeance. Yes. That was exciting. So, yeah, uh, any other comments you want to make, please reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook <laughs> at Sequel Rights, or email us at sequelrights at gmail.com. And to answer those questions, we are. like We're doing that episode right now. So yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> thanks for reaching out. Uh, and in the meantime, if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, five stars goes a long way, helps the algorithm, uh, and we... On top of that, very much appreciate it. So any reviews that you could give, very much appreciate it. Yeah. Well, why don't we get right into it? The brand new Dragonheart Vengeance just out last week. This week? Yeah, last week. Yeah. Brand new. Here we go. See, I'm out to avenge the death of my mother and father. All vicious murderers are raiding the countryside. Maybe the dragon can help you. I was told you help people. Will you help me? So you're a girl, dragon. I need you to help me track the killers. Find them or kill them. Uh, Lucas, she's not a girl dragon, okay? She's She's female. female. Yeah. (laughs) Do you see her wearing a frock? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh... So, Matthew, this is your third uh, now Dragonheart film that you've been the writer for. Uh, what can, can you tell us about um, the process of coming up with this, this new movie, Dragonheart Vengeance? Well, these movies are always a real trick. One of the things that right. I you know, see a lot in terms of people's comments and, and just in talking to people about these movies is, you know, we started with Dragonheart back in uh, 1996, right, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, and they spent a lot of money on that mm-hmm. movie. You know, they, they spent quite a bit of of, of money to make uh, Draco this, you know, one of the first CG characters that yeah. was talking and interacting and things like that. And then you start doing sequels and, you know, the market has totally changed. Right. Um, appetites have changed. Most importantly, budgets and costs have changed. Mm-hmm. And you just cannot do that kind of film anymore, you know, for... Um, for a price, unless it is this, a giant franchise, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That has weight behind it. Something like a Game of Thrones or something, you know, like 
Lord of the Rings, right. et cetera. Where like 75% of the shots are, are, are VFX shots, if you have that character interacting and all that time. And exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so we have this challenge for each uh, Dragonheart sequel to try and live up to a film that everyone loves, mm-hmm. to try and put as much of the dragon in it as possible, mm-hmm. but you're always limited by uh, you know just how much money the yeah. studio's willing to spend, and and you know they have their they have their metrics, they they have very good reasons for why they're spending this amount of money, and you have to try and do it within that realm, you know, and literally that comes down to the numbers of shots of the dragon that you know that that are allotted to you, and mm-hmm. you know it it's it's. Mailable, you can give and take in your strategizing for, okay, we'll make the movie look bigger here and give up some dragon there, or we'll make the movie look a little bit smaller here and get more dragon there. Mm -hmm. So the challenge is always, though, to come up with a way in which the dragon can be present in the whole movie, because make no mistake, we all know that's what people want to see. They want (laughs) to see the dragon, and they want to see the dragon interacting with humans uh, and and the, the, the relationship there. Um. But how do you keep that going the whole movie? Even when they're not on screen, how do you right. keep their presence always living, right? Mm-hmm. So in Dragonheart 3, it was this conceit that the dragon had been cursed mm-hmm. and was uh, you know, allowing us to sometimes have them be you know, literally banished or mm-hmm. disappearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in Dragonheart 4, uh, there was this conceit that the uh, children who uh, had you know this part of dragon in them, right? Mm-hmm. This dragon mm-hmm. uh, heritage, so to speak, kind of became the dragons themselves, right? right they right. had mm-hmm. abilities that enabled them to, uh, even when the dragon wasn't there, you knew that what you were seeing was because the dragon. It was dragon magic. Was, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, for lack, for lack yes. of a better way, exactly right. Uh, and then, of course, in Dragonheart uh, Five, do we do what? How do we? How do we do spoilers? We assume people have seen. We yeah. assume, yes, 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 okay, yes, yes. Very good. And if you haven't, uh, go watch it. Uh, it's on Netflix it's right on now. Netflix. That's yeah. right. Go yeah. watch it on Netflix, yeah. and then uh, give us a thumbs up on Amazon or Absolutely. wherever you yeah, exactly. uh, wherever you can. Uh, anyway, so the conceit in this one was that um, in the Dragonheart, uh, in in the first Dragonheart, mm-hmm. uh, the dragon, male dragon, turned to. Stone and um, just had this ability. And in my mind, I began to work on it. It's like, okay, the male dragons, they have this uh, ability perhaps to become inanimate, you know, perhaps, you know, become water, become stone, uh, things like that. So the female dragons can become other animals, you know, Mm -hmm. and it just made sense. As soon as I hit upon that and I saw our hero, who I knew was going to be this young kid whose family had been murdered, and I saw him riding across the country on his quest, and I said to myself, and the dragon is the horse? I said, mm-hmm. fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it. You know, like, yeah. that's, that's the magic I want. And, and once you know that, of course, I t- you know, we play with it a bit, and mm-hmm. maybe you don't know at first uh, mm-hmm. that the dragon is the horse. Uh, hopefully we misdirect you, you know, enough mm-hmm. to make it a surprise the first time mm-hmm. it, it appears. But then after that, the dragons in the whole movie, man. That's right. You know, whether it's a horse, a dog, a mouse, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. And for me, that was just fun and yeah. irresistible. And uh, it also made a good reason in this film why we would make the change now to have, among other reasons, but we really wanted a, a natural reason why this dragon was female mm-hmm. and, and to change the trajectory of, this, of the movie a bit. And it, it really helped that she had a really unique ability absolutely uh and nature to herself that mm. was um you know that was just special 
And that then fed into this uh, background that, you know, eventually she uh, developed um, in the story, which was, you know, that she had been banished. And it just made sense that she was um, sort of living alone in the forest and had become a vegetarian. In my, mm-hmm. my mind, <laughs> in my mind, she started to basically, she had no one to talk to. You right. know, no, yeah. she, no one wanted to be around her. So it was basically the animals. You know, and then, but if she kept eating them, even they wouldn't come around. Right. And so she eventually said, well, I'm just going to not eat them anymore. And at least I have some friends, you know. So in my mind, there's a whole, like, animated movie we do with her. Right. Her <laughs> adventures with, like, you know, wolves and so, all that. It's like that scene in Bambi where they all come, oh, you know, yeah. sitting on logs. Like, I, I picture that. She's like, her. I have all this wisdom, but nobody wants it. And <laughs> I can't right. impart it upon yeah. anybody. I, it's, she just I, keeps, like, separating fights between badgers right. and, and bears and things like that. I did love... Uh, I did love that, like, in that one scene, you know, we've been watching, uh, you know, these male dragons the entire, like, four films up to this. And in, in that one scene, she reveals that, like, their powers are it's totally lame and <laughs> I can turn into whatever animal right. I want. And you're like, okay, the female dragons are way more badass. Yes, like, so I'm so much, much more like, useful. Yeah. 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 The pile of rocks, who needs that? Yeah, you know? okay. like, oh, sure. It's one of those elegant production solutions that makes so much sense within the lore that I love, where it's just like, yeah, of course, like that, that makes total sense of that she would have different powers and different things and different interests. And I kind of love that how it does. And I think that's something that we all kind of want to talk about of, where how this dovetails with the previous dragon heart films and i think that uh her relationship with the king uh is one of the strongest echoes of from the first film uh, right right yeah absolutely it was um well see for the people who for anyone who cares to know so this film technically it takes place over about 35 years in total including some of the flashbacks uh-huh, it's sure. about 35 years of time and it would actually start before number 4 Right. Uh, ended and mm-hmm. it would end after number four. Uh, so it kind of is, if, if you saw a timeline, it would sort of go over the course of number four, a little bit before it and after it. And um, yeah, you know, I never actually thought to myself the uh, that similarity that yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah. about with the king. Of course, it, it makes sense in that a lot of these stories you would have a royal, you know, <laughs> yes. you'd have a, a king element right. or a queen element. So um, that that would naturally be there. But this does have, yeah, very it's very very similar in that she has this relationship with the king, not a bond like mm-hmm. in one, but a relationship that has radically altered her life. Absolutely. And kind of requires one of them to go down, yes. you know, in order to, for happiness to be uh, reestablished. Yeah, you know? I think that there's a thing, like uh, the overall theme with the movies is that the dragons are this paragon of, of natural wisdom, of, of, of right, and even though that they're fallible, that they have this long-term view and that the ways of men are, are selfish or, or warlike, and even though that they can be used for that and that there's this great vengeance, I feel like that there's, uh, I mean, in the title for this one, <laughs> but uh, I think that there's there's always, you know, a questioning. There, there is the interesting thing is that they're the foil of like I'm the one who has all the power here, but are you sure that you want to go down this path? And right. I think that that's a really interesting thing to dive into in this installment. That was the it within the foundation of all the other previous films. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and she says to you know the the boy at one point. You know, he asks her, "Why couldn't you have just fixed things? You know, you could. Yeah. You're no one could have stopped you." And right. you know, and she says, "Well, once you go down that path, you know, you can't mm-hmm. get back." And yeah. I definitely thought of certain administrations as I was, <laughs> as I was writing yeah. that. 
Uh, there was some of that later too when she talked. They talk about they started a war. Yep. Uh, for no reason, just to make the king look like he was doing a great job. Sure so. did. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, there's always politics. Close to home. Yeah. There's yeah. always politics. Yeah. You can't help it. So Be- how come... Uh, oh, sorry. Go oh, I, you go, you go. I was going to say, um, how come exclusively ice this time? Uh, there was, in my mind, a certain limit to what we could do with fire in a production sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found that in the other films, for me, it wasn't quite getting there. Like I wasn't and totally satisfied with mm-hmm. the power that we were able to generate the dragon. Of course, you know, it becomes CG at some point and it, and it can have a ferocity all of its own. But I just wanted to try something that was a little more unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had actually been already broached in the series in mm-hmm. Dragon Heart, A New Beginning, which yeah. is the second film. They have a dragon actually that can do both. It yeah. discovers, right? Yes. Um, so it's depending sort of, on how he interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. I, 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 that 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 dragon under new beginning is on its own little island. I, I try and just leave it there. I have and, a theory. I have a theory. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe we can get into <laughs> we it. Can, we, can, we can answer all those questions. <laughs> but it also seemed to me that it fit with the idea of someone who had been sort of banished, and mm. there was something just like this idea of this coldness of her being relegated to the to the you know to the mountains and um and and into the snow essentially and the you know t- top like of the mountain yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i really like that and yeah. then I, also when i really and it it helped me a great deal to have this uh, ability for her to have kept all this uh food and yeah, and yeah. Cool. safe for everybody i suppose you could have also just done it in some like deep limestone cave or something but yeah. it was just sure. nice to have it be that that mm-hmm. was her special thing there's a there's one really great moment uh where we get to like i think the most awesome use of her powers uh that we see um when they're fighting they, they come up to the snake's hideout right mm-hmm. and just as they show up with the dragon the snake is like Tells her oh, yeah. henchman like, "Quick, go inside and burn the messages." Yeah. <laughs> and you see him run inside, and then the dragon flies over and just like breathes ice all over that entire thatched roof cottage yeah. or whatever. And uh, you don't see what happens. Like the the action continues elsewhere, and then like later on in the scene, they go inside, and you see that the poor guy is totally frozen, <laughs> like mid like burning yeah. the messages. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, uh, that you I know d- she could just fully freeze. I did everything. like that the freezing was so intense that. Like they were dead. Yeah, there was yeah. no like oh, I'm so cold. I'm gonna unfreeze. Yeah. It's like no, you are not gonna unfreeze. Like when that guy's arm fell yes. off outside too. That was so funny. Oh yeah, oh, was there was lots up. of great dismemberment in this. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, there really was. I, I, I really try to get them in. Uh, it's hard. It's hard with the, the PG-13 films. You do have to yes. be. You have to be judicious. Uh, we had there was one dismemberment early on. That we had to take it out. But, uh, what? Wait, what a, was that? Well, oh, you, yes. you, you you I guess you hear it happen and you see the the swing, but you never actually. See see the young uh, uh, mercenary's hand. Oh, you know, that's there, right. there was a shot of it hitting the floor. And, you know, and, <laughs> I see. Uh, a, nice, a nice gout of blood. But uh, that, was, that was the moment of the movie where I was like, oh, this is a, this is a different type of movie for me. Because like, mm. I was like, oh, maybe it's going towards more family-friendly. And I think that there's something really interesting, especially with Dragonheart, of like starting in 96. And so fantasy is gone through just as a genre this roller coaster ride of and then you have lord of the rings happening and then you have uh, uh game of thrones and in between and so finding the tone of this movie uh, it really made me 
kind of crave something that's in between those two things of the the, the hard seriousness of Game of Thrones and the, like as I, I was talking to Justin about it after we watched it, it's like it's somewhere between Army of Darkness and Game of Thrones where it's like <laughs> that's a fascinating combination <laughs> that I have never thought of. But. Where yeah. it's like the, the, it should be fun and there's people that are making jokes and there's people that are that are entertaining and not so self serious as they would be in King's Landing. At the same time, there's still adult gore and and the PG-13 realm of fantasy is really not explored uh, in terms of, of where the genre is at. And I think that there's a, a question of where does fantasy go after Game of Thrones? And I don't think anyone's really answered that question so far. And I there's a lot of really interesting things in, in Dragonheart Vengeance that I think is trying to bridge the gap between the two. And so I would be really curious to hear about as you're writing it, how you're doing the tone, how it was on the page, and then how it was executed, you know, in the film. I think, thankfully, it's executed pretty close to mm-hmm. uh, to what I wrote. Um, uh, thankfully, great. on these films, I have a lot of, you know, contact and, mm-hmm. and communication with the director and, and I'm on the set all the time. So mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to, you know, just sort of try and help maintain that consistency of tone from the script to the film. And in this one, um, you know, I, like you think there's a lot of possibilities in that middle ground yes. and Dragonheart. I mean, at the end of the day, it's always, it is about literally sharing your heart with some yeah. other person. Right. Yep. So there is, that just has feels to it. You can't get around it. So you can't go too far to where those feelings are not, mm-hmm. are kind of, you know, um, they become that they don't fit. Right. right? Everything has to fit toward it. Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't mean you can't have serious moments and things like that, but mm-hmm. it just feels like you always have to remember that they are like these little mini love stories between mm-hmm. these two characters, and um, and they can be funny and they can be sad, but you always need that core element of them. And I always felt that, um, you know, at least while I was writing this film, for me it was watching this boy who had everything taken care of, taken away from him find a new family, right? Mm-hmm. Find a new uh, group to be a part of. And that as long as you had that hope in him alive, mm-hmm. that there was something out there to improve his lot. And at first he thinks it's vengeance, but then he begins to realize that it's something else as he learns about all the people that he's with and in, and helps them. Um, I think that that was my North Star as I was sitting mm-hmm. trying to, to think about, you know, exactly what the tone would be. Yeah. I knew I also wanted this film to try and be funnier than the last mm-hmm. two. Um, I've always tried to put humor in the scripts that I've written. I think the three and four didn't quite get the humorous moments as mm-hmm. quite as expressed. I did a lot of it uh, with the dragon in all three films. And I think that's one of the hard things is that you just, by the time you end up writing it in the dragon, by the time it ends up being shot on uh, the location with people acting toward, you know, nothing but, you know, a tennis ball or a green screen. And then it's a different set of people animating it. It it just, the the humor has some trouble sometimes getting through. And in this one, the humor really was vested in Darius. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yet the dragon as well, but really in in Darius. And so once we had found uh, Joseph Milson to play the part, it just sort of really clicked, and he was you know wonderful at bringing out the, those humorous elements. Yeah. And I think that that translated into everyone else kind of finding the right tone mm-hmm. on the set. You know, 
Yeah, and it allows, I mean, so much of comedy in a film is about the chemistry of the actors in between them. And when you have, when you're working on, I mean, realistically, very tight budgets, very tight schedules with these, and you have the comedy with, with, these giant shots that have to be rehearsed and and put through every single committee and have the most people touching them. It's really hard to have that maintained. So that makes perfect sense to me. And I think that it's also about figuring out what the conceit is that mm-hmm. will be humorous, you know? And so for instance, in the, just you know, once I thought to myself, okay, the dragon has Cyrano de Bergerac, you just go, all right, now that's funny, right? That, that, <laughs> that is a funny premise. Yeah, yeah. We just have to not, we just have to not get in the way of it, you know? So right. make, just kind of do what, do what, you know, do what you've seen, you know, that kind of situation played, you know, has mm-hmm. been done before with different kinds of actors. Just put the dragon in, try not to get in the way of it. <laughs> and it should at least be humorous, you know, enough to, to make you kind of smile. Yeah. So you knew you wanted to have a female dragon. Were you already thinking of someone like Helena Bonham Carter? Or how did she get involved in this? She was absolutely uh, a top choice. Okay. Yeah. Um, we did explore um, a couple of actresses who, you know, have the the dame before their, <laughs> before their name, you know, just to try and keep with this um, – theme or, or consistent uh, casting of actors who had been, you know, Sir Sean Connery and Sir yes. Patrick Stewart and yeah. et cetera. <laughs> uh, but once um, once we explored the possibilities of that and it just sort of seemed like, okay, that may not be happening right away. We we actually always get interest from people. It's, mm-hmm. it's more of can we fit it, you know, into their schedule. And everyone is actually really honored to be asked because of the pedigree of the mm-hmm. actors yeah. that have been involved. Nice. Um, and, but Helena Bonacara was absolutely like, you know, when they said, okay, who do we want to go to for sure? Let's go to her. Cause in my mind, she just had fantasy cred. Yes. I mean? For sure. I mean, she's got easily like five movies that people can refer to. And in fact, even in comments, as I've seen online and social media, you know, they'll refer to the dragon and then they'll put just another character name that Helena Bonham Carter has played in some other movie. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> so-and-so is playing Seventh, and yeah. not even re- using her real name. Yeah. So we knew that that would work, I think, as far as like people going, okay, I can believe that voice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she's actually done, you know, a few uh, you know, voice acting, voice acting. which, which you can tell, like she's not just being herself in this. Like she's yeah. definitely uh, doing the voice actor diligence, which is so nice when it's not just somebody being like, Oh, I'm showing up and I'm doing this thing and it's my voice. Like she's definitely lending, she's creating a character with Siveth. Right. And I tried to give, you know, I tried to give her some, uh, you know, some uh, meat to work with. And with mm-hmm. Siveth, it was again, going back to this idea of her being banished and, and being alone, that she would just naturally start to talk to herself mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know, not necessarily develop a split personality, but, <laughs> but not censor her, mm. her own, you know, speaking to herself. Right. It was a little more pronounced in the script. There were a few more moments of it. And, and I, I think, you know, uh, when we got to shooting it, it became clear that maybe we didn't have enough time in certain mm-hmm. scenes to kind of really mm-hmm. lean into it, you know, uh, but uh, a little, a little of it is there. And yeah. I, I noticed it in the uh, Cyrano scene that you're talking about. Yeah. 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 When she's like telling him the lines. Yeah. 
She don't want to go full Gollum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you can't help it. I mean, that was so brilliantly done in that yeah. film. You know, you, oh, you yes. can't help but, but be compared to that. Yeah. Uh, but I always thought of it, uh, in my mind, I uh, when I was, you know, pitching it, I sort of pitched it more uh, Grey Gardens. In fact, that's what it says yeah. in the script. In the script, it says, more Grey Gardens than, than Gollum and Smeagol. Okay. You know, I and, love that. And, and I think that, that got everyone. Everyone yes. was able to read and go, okay. We, yeah, I got we, it. it yeah. We're not afraid of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, speaking about the shooting of this film, like there's some really incredible locations. If you want to talk about some of the actual production and where you shot and everything else, like, cause there's some really incredible vistas and things like that. And then I was like, I don't even know where these locations are. The Republic of Romania. Yeah. Yes. Romania. Where we have made, uh, uh, all of the, the, the prequels three, four and five. Nice. Uh, they've all been shot there. And uh, it is Romania is a is a fascinating country in that uh, you can just kind of split it in half. The lower half is flat as a pancake, mm-hmm. There's like nothing there but giant fields, and uh, it's actually a, an enormous. In, in three, we shot on these enormous uh, plains where mm-hmm. our final battle happened, and those yeah. were like major battles of the of the Western civilization have taken mm-hmm. place there. You yes. know, like as. Uh, Saladin and his armies came up, you know, from the south, and they were all everyone died there. So yeah. the, the fields that we shot in were just were just soaked in blood. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that that particular place is called Kalugareni, and everyone just knows it as like you know just the the the, the plain of the dead. Yeah. Oh, Even wow. though now, oh, the trees are so yeah. green here, yeah. and it's like yeah, but now people camp there and yeah. they fish. And, but, uh, but yeah, so they're all shot there, and in this one we went further north than we ever mm-hmm. had gone into Transylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, act, literally Transylvania, um, and we found a couple of great uh, quarries where um, you know they just various kinds of strip mining and things like that had turned uh, this one spot. It had turned one valley red and had turned this other valley brown, <laughs> and you could just shoot one direction, and it was one you know ah, landscape. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just had to turn the camera around 180 <laughs> degrees and it looked completely different. Oh, and once we cool. found that, we were like, "Oh my god, this is fantastic." Ah. Yeah. We can camp here, you know. Was it all fresh scouting for for this production or what, did you revisit any locations that you found for previous ones? No, it was all new. I mean, they were clo- close, yeah. you know, within within an hour's drive or something. Sure. But uh, no, they were all new locations uh, for this. We've we've really been pushing uh we've been pushing our romanian location yeah. scouts to the very ends of their country uh and we we still have more to go there's still uh i think there are some so wonderful locations that we haven't used there uh the the trick is of course the the further you go the more you have to put people up in hotels and it Absolutely. costs a little more and I, again at these margins you're just always calculating okay i mean i'm not kidding will that fifteen hundred dollars come back to bite us when we want you know one more shot of the dragon to do right. this or that or one more ice particle or whatever yeah it is. exactly yeah. you yeah. really have to think you know long term as far as finishing this movie off uh so the uh like so all the locations were there in romania usually we shoot these movies in about 30 days um Dang. wow which you know is Pretty quick, but uh, yeah. that's why we shoot there because you yes. know there Romania there are cost savings and there are nice uh, tax rebates and things like that, and so it, it and great crew and the crews are really excellent. There's mm-hmm. there are 
there's nonstop productions yes. going through there. Every stage is just filled all the time. <laughs> Everyone you meet has worked on more movies than you have, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. in, yeah, in yeah, like yeah. the past year. It's like, oh, I was with Tara Gilliam like last <laughs> week. Like, yeah. exactly, exactly. Each time I leave and come back, you know, you see, you know, some guys who were just, you know, in the grip crew and now they're yeah. key grips. And yeah, they're yeah. Just, they're like all elevated. <laughs> so um, so they, cool. they work really hard and we've gotten to know a lot of the people really well and made good friends with them. Um, I... Do I hope that we can shoot maybe elsewhere soon? Yeah, it would be great. You know, yeah. we've talked about possibly um, shooting in South Africa mm-hmm. um, and also taking advantage in, in actually Manitoba mm-hmm. uh, has uh, uh, some really great production possibilities. Yes. You always want to try and, you know, make the stories feel uh, just unique and mm-hmm. exciting. And so far they've um, they've been kind of located either in, you know, England or that kind of area, and this one we actually were able to set it right in uh, the the Caucasus, you know, right in the yeah. area that it happens mm-hmm. in, uh, just because it sort of fit that this dragon flew away from uh, home mm-hmm. and went to a new land. But for instance, I've got you know stories about other dragons that I would love to do. I'd love to do one in uh, in um, North America, mm-hmm. but during the time. You know, where there's just nothing but Native Americans around and a dragon Mm -hmm. comes here and it becomes part of the culture and the cultural mythos here. And I've got one that's uh, set in in Africa as well. So these are all dreams. You know, we'll see what happens down the road. How many are left? How many eggs were left that we haven't? Oh, there were seven. Okay. uh, And so Siveth would be one of those. Yeah. And so there'd be, you know, there'd be six others you could do. Okay. Uh, Now, is Draco one of those? In theory, he is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, Because. Because we yeah at the beginning of the movie we we didn't talk about this but at the beginning of the movie there's like some connection back to the previous films where there's like a little opening and we see that these dragons all came from you know the tutelage of Drago and King Gareth that's yeah. correct who exactly. were following in the last films yeah that's right so Drago uh, and King Gareth who passes away at the beginning of yes. four mm-hmm. ta- they they talk about the dragons they raised together. And so, yes, so Siveth is one of those, and yes. in, in, in my uh, uh, conception of it, Draco is one of those as well. Nice, um, nice. And so in my, in my master plan, if we can possibly <laughs> get it happening, I'd love to see uh, a film for all of the dragons that came from that brood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I'd actually like to see for Draco, I'd like to see a television show. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'd like to see the young Draco Chronicles, you know, nice. essentially yeah. having uh, him going and, and learning. Because then you could tell the whole story of what, you know, in my mind is sort of the the, the split, you know, the the war. If you, mm-hmm. I don't know if you do it a war, but some split that happens between dragons and men right. to get you to that place of uh, the original Dragonheart where there clearly has been a kind of a break in belonging between mm-hmm. the two, uh, you know, species and it, it drives, you know, um, eventually, well, obviously we know what drives Bowen in that story to kill dragons, but kind of lead up to that, I think would provide some really fun, but dark and challenging stories where these two, uh, species that have been spending a lot of time together and mm-hmm. doing a lot of great things together and teaching and building are now being torn apart, you know. There's something really interesting to me about that of just like, again, dragons being this source of wisdom. And there's, as we've been talking about, like some of these stories, there's different things about unnecessary wars, perhaps, or, and, and that rupture of that relationship could have a parallel with uh, our relationship with science, Mm 
and our relationship <laughs> with, you know, uh, of, of, oh, we have all this infinite wisdom. And it's like, no, 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 we don't want any of that. Like, you know, you're, you're leading us astray. And I think that that I, I would love to watch that television show. <laughs> yeah. I think it could be a lot of fun and also possibly even the dragon, you know, culture, um, learning or admitting to even, you know, dark things in yeah. its own past, you yep. know, that it, that maybe some of them don't know about or haven't acknowledged yet. Um, yeah. that could be a lot of fun. So that's my, sort of my grand plan. If we, uh, if we can, you know, get that, uh, moving, nice. that would be the, well, speaking of the expanding of this universe, I think that one of the things that I really liked about vengeance is that we get not one, but four antagonists, uh, early <laughs> yeah, in the film. Right, yes. and they're from far flung lands. So they're from places where there could be eggs from the South to the North. <laughs> and, uh, I it really expanded the universe in a way I don't think that we've quite seen. Uh, and you know, it gave allusions to different factions and different kingdoms and things like that. So if you kind of talk about those characters, I think that would be really interesting. And also just, kind of setting this up as almost like a a samurai revenge movie of yeah. like you know we have these four people mm. we have to take out and that's right. just a different structure than what we've seen yeah it was this film you know for me was a western mm-hmm. right Absolutely. it was it was you can definitely see um you know outright steals from uh true grit mm-hmm. and uh and films like that and so in my mind it needed it needed some really good bad guys yep. who could be yeah, you know, and the trick, of course, is well. God, but then the dragon is so effective, you know, yeah. like at fighting. <laughs> and I know, you know we've had some complaints in the past from some fans about like, oh, the dragon, you know, doesn't do as much, or like, <laughs> like, like the dragon lets people get away when it could sure. just, it could just, right. you know, leap on top of them and rip them to shreds. And I, I'm always fighting for that in these movies that that we have to try and make the dragon feel realistic. And so <laughs> then that's what kind of drove me to just to say, okay, there's going to be four of them. That way we can <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. we can start bumping them off. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and it's not going to, you know, ruin the movie. But once I just started thinking along those lines, then it made a lot of sense to me that they would um, be named after animals just mm-hmm. to, you know, differentiate them. I had imagined when, when in, in the script, I had imagined that, you know, we would even see when we see their portraits at the beginning, they yeah. would even do a good, the bad, and the ugly, <laughs> you know, like handwriting yeah. homage where we'd see, you know, the bear or something like that, <laughs> or, or like a bloody, maybe a bloody footprint or something. We didn't go that far, but I thought about it. Yeah, yeah I do love that they get their own little like WWE, like, yeah. thing, like, <laughs> exactly. like close up on their face with the fire and they're yeah. like, yeah, we're yeah. going to fight you. Yeah, yeah. No, that, the, uh, the director, uh, Yvonne Silvestri, he'd re- he'd really did uh, a really good job with uh, sort of presenting them in those uh, in those moments and we um wanted to you know also cast just some you know really good mm-hmm. you know great faces for that but as i continued to uh, sort of plan it out what i really also liked about it was that it just enabled little little bits of um different kinds of vengeance themes to sort of be you know, realized a little Mm -hmm. bit. So the little speech about the wolf when he's talking to the kid about what happened to him and, you know, killing someone who had uh, hurt his family was the Mm. best day in his life. Mm -hmm. And um, the sort of relationship between the brother and the sister, as least as the the actor sort of uh, who played the uh, snake and uh, the scorpions kind of had this idea that they were a a brother sister pair, which I really loved and um, how they would, you know, kind of return or how the, the scorpion would return for his sister and want to take vengeance on someone who had, uh, you know, captured her or done something to her just 
it felt like with the four of them enabled you to dole out these little lessons and kind mm-hmm. of, you know, revisit the theme in, in small ways uh, throughout while allowing someone to be offed, you know. Which is one of the things that I feel like is like was so prevalent in westerns and, and samurai films, where it's like they're they're almost fables. It's like this small action of hate that gave way to this lifestyle of hate that you know is supposed to be instructive, and they they happen in these giant action movies where they're blood and guts and whatever it is, but their motivation and their pitfall is so clear, and I, I you know I think that seeing it in this movie made me realize how much that that was part of that trope. Right. You know, right. Seeing that reflected of just like, Oh yeah. Like that's here's this person, how they became this way. And you know, the mistake that they made. And he has to kind of go through this, this hall of horrors of pitfalls that he could fall upon. And then, you know, in each foe that he's coming up against. Right. And that, it, and that it would happen the same to a man, to a woman. It yes. would, you know, like it wouldn't matter. Um, and I also, uh, originally, the wolf character in the story whose arm is uh, mm-hmm. frozen off at some point. <laughs> that was um, <clears throat> We eventually cut it for, just because we thought it was uh, kind of, again, taking a bit too much time, but he was uh, at the end of the film in a, in a sort of post-credit sequence. We reveal <laughs> that he had uh, survived and uh, had gone to a place that the dragon had mentioned in in a scene that again we didn't we didn't shoot it but that he had found something the dragon had referred to and Mm. that this character would become the bad guy for the next film so that one of the animals you know the wolf would be uh would be our new bad guy and originally he had he had a wolf mask and he never took it off, mm-hmm. except for the one moment when the boy looked at his face. But the boy oh. saw it, but we didn't. Uh-huh. And so you could, of course, cast any actor you wanted to right. in the next oh, film you know, be, to, to, to awesome. play that. That was the original idea, but <laughs> nice. uh, we, we, went to, we, we went a different direction. Yeah. But that was also part of the plan was to, originally, was to try and set up someone that we knew from this movie to continue on. Mm-hmm. And the next one, to give you an even deeper bad guy who mm-hmm. we had you know, seen get there and now we truly knew their motivations, et cetera. So that, that changed, but uh, those were, I could, those were all the, the thoughts, you know, that came into mind and, and obviously the calling the different animal names sort of began to uh, influence a little bit of how they approached their performances and the wardrobe department did a great job, I think of evoking (laughs) certain, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, parts of their, of their uh, character into who they were. So that was a lot of fun just to play with. And, it gives them an identity for how brief they are on screen sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the the bear has yes. got one scene at the beginning, and then basically his next scene, you know, he he gets it. Yeah. But it just gives the actors something to, to work with, and, mm-hmm. and I think they, they like that. I, I did get a kick out of, uh, I was telling this to Tyler, that, like, I got a kick out of how Civet, the whole movie, is like, you can't, like, vengeance is bad. You can't, you, you got to just, like, we're going to just find these guys but not yeah. kill them, right? <laughs> yeah. And then by the end of the movie, she's just like, no, uh, these people are terrible. She straight up she straight up kills the snake, like, really brutally and throws her yeah, body. Yeah, the snake was <laughs> saying some dumb stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She's just like, I'm Everybody's done Everybody's got I'm a breaking point. Exactly. That's right. She's, I'm breaking my vegetarianism for yeah. 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 It's like, no more of this. Yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah. yeah, that was I. I did I did struggle throughout because you see the dragon, you know, involved in the action sequences, and uh, apart from the guy who's frozen in the cabin, mm-hmm. which my excuse was that she didn't really 
She just kind of froze the thing, you know, right. like we're hard, yeah. hard to hard to know whether she he could be in fine there. If, he, if he was resilient. <laughs> he could yeah. be right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe he found some sort of yeah. space blanket in there. But apart from that, you know, she does have to like deal with people, but she can't just be wantonly killing them all, you know, because it would then it would be a little bit against the theme. So we kind of use this conceit that she's you know flinging these ice ice daggers around and mm-hmm. who knows maybe off camera they're all uh you know they're all just turning into they're find themselves in these puddles of water and, yeah. and just like a wound but it, it, you did have to kind of try and show her being involved in it but not be too blatant with okay how much damage is she doing to these people <laughs> uh, but they all they're all pretty bad so we didn't feel bad about it. Uh, another thing I wanted to just talk about, and I don't know if you uh, have any insight into it, but one of the things I, I really liked about Siveth was uh, um, the roar that she had in this in this one. And I, I actually saved a clip of it here just so we can hear it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's pretty epic. I, yeah. I just like the like crazy echoey scream. Like, I don't know if that's part of Helena Bonacar- Bonham Carter's voice in there too, but <laughs> you know, that's actually the first time I've I've really noticed that uh, <laughs> that that pitch or that that tone to it. I don't have a good answer for it. Okay. But you know what? If I come back for Dragonheart Six, yeah. I'll find that answer <laughs> out. I will find that cool, answer like, out. Cool, like shriek to it that yeah. I just thought was really cool, and it fit well in the movie. Like you know, I, I think all the other the dragons have had a little bit more like you know, what you would expect of a yeah. dragon. So definitely, when we're doing the sound recording, we try to have the uh, actors do you know as many of those uh, they mm. call them efforts mm. uh you know in the recording mm-hmm. booth and so they're yeah they're they're roaring and they're trying to do as much as you can you know you're trying to at least get a sense of how they're doing it to see if it can inform the animation or something so i'll be very curious to find out if someone had actually pulled some of her you know roaring yeah. and sort of laced be, it, in it out it'd yeah. be great i mean why not it's yeah. a really good idea that would be awesome that would be awesome um well, I'm curious. So we talked a little bit about what's coming up next. Uh, are are we going to get to see maybe another movie with Siveth? Like we had, uh, you know, uh, Drago. We got two movies with Drago. Now we're going to get another movie with Siveth after this. She's she's still alive at the end. Yeah. She is still alive. You know, part of that is how people respond to it sure. and how people, you know, do people, do fans want to see, you know, another adventure with Siveth? Um, so, and then another part of, of course, comes down to, um, do we want to try and expand the stories, uh, by getting and maybe another dragon mm-hmm. going, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you can't always come back to Siveth. Um, I, of course I would love, love, love to do a movie where it's got two dragons in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I've been pushing for that and, and, uh, I think we'll get there, um, you know, the, as far as, uh, being able to do it on the kind of budget that we make these films on. Uh, so you could definitely maybe have a team pair up, you know, bring one in and, and have an adventure with Siveth as well. So I'm open to those possibilities. There's lots of, you know, voices in, in the planning of these yeah. and you have to sort of take uh, all the different concerns in from, you know, from the marketing department to yeah. what fans are feeling like to, um, to, you know, Helena Bonham Carter and does Helena want to, you know, come back for another round? I think she will. I think <laughs> she had a really good time. Nice. Uh, so I'm thinking of all those possibilities and, um, I think we'll know a new a direction for that probably within a couple of months. Usually a couple of months after these movies come out, you get the sense of, okay, we want to do another one. Sure. You know, 
it's tracking well, people are responding well and stuff like that. But anything that people can do to, um, you know, fans listening, anything people can do to interact and yeah. to, you know, give comments and things like that, whether it be on social media or um, just by leaving comments, you know, on the Facebook page that uh, Universal has for the show, it all gets read, you know, and yeah. it's helpful. I want to. I want a crazy super fan out there to take the map from the beginning of the film and look at the directions the dragons are flying and extrapolate out where they're headed <laughs> <laughs> based on their tra- tra- trajectory. You know, that would be awesome. Someone, someone would could, totally do someone that. could draw that out. <laughs> yeah. I want to make the timeline. Like, if we can get the yeah. official timeline, I want to make Somebody's, that. I, I'll, yeah. I will. I will graphic design the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm curious. I would of, love to work with you on that. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I've <laughs> got a awesome. lot of ammo. For that. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of like timeline and lore and everything, so you've written three of these films now. Um, so when you're writing uh, like the next uh, Dragonheart movie or this Dragonheart movie, when you're going to add new like abilities or attributes to the dragons. Um, is there anyone else you have to go to to like when when you're bringing up Ooh. those ideas like you know who 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 else kind of has a say on like oh I don't think the dragons would do that or I'm I'm happy to say at least at this moment I am the gatekeeper. Oh, God. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I the original writers of Dragonheart mm-hmm. um uh Patrick Reed Johnson and Charles Edward Pogue uh, I know them both. Um, I know Chuck Pogue uh, a lot better. He was a mentor of mine uh, as a screenwriter. So I've been to, you know, we've spent lots of time together. Um, he's now moved and lives in uh, Kentucky. But uh, we, you know, spent a lot of time together talking about movies and all sorts of things. And so it just happened to come around to be, you know, uh, the case that I got a chance to write on, you know, a sequel or a prequel in this case to a movie he'd written. So that's a lot of fun. And, uh, it, it feels like, you know, the mantle is kind of passed to me a bit in terms of, uh, being able to figure out, you know, what the dragon should do. And I use his, um, script and the story that he and Patrick wrote. And, um, and I, I don't use any material, of course, from uh, the novelization that uh, mm-hmm. Chuck wrote of his own uh, script, but I kind of look at it as like, okay, if it wouldn't have fit in that book tonally, you know, then it probably shouldn't be in the series. I know a lot of fans uh, did enjoy reading the book yeah. as well as watching the movie, mm-hmm. and so I just kind of use it as the North Star for what we should do. You know, and you have to branch out a little bit, right? You can't just tell the same old story. So, but I, I just that's why I keep asking myself. You know, would it would it be totally out of sorts with that um, with that you know source material? But we definitely want to have you know new dragons that each one should push the boundary in some way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're otherwise they're just going to be kind of the same old thing you'd seen. Whether each one of them has you know a, a new specific ability that's as I think. Um, wonderful and 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 fun as like oh this one can change into animals you may not be able to do that as dramatically every time Mm -hmm. but i think there's always a way to find out whether it's through their character or perhaps a limitation you know i i one of the one of those seven dragons is going to be the runt yeah (laughs) so what cool thing does the runt have you know that is uh giving it some flavor and you know making it kind of interesting and so you know there's a way to make something about 
uh, all of them have a unique flavor. Uh, but yeah, so at this moment, I'm the gatekeeper, and um, and I take it really seriously because yeah. I know a lot of people like these movies, and I also want to do right by uh, those original writers because they uh, you know they establish it. So I'd like to think that they watch these movies and are at least kind of proud of what they kicked off. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I have another dreaded writing process question for you. <laughs> oh, is this is this a theme yeah. on the show? Yeah. Okay. Uh, in that, in that, you you have such a production background. You grew up around films, and so you know that when you're writing these scripts, that you're responsible and the, the of of what this thing actually has to be made. And so, but you're still writing these high fantasy films that have giant effects shots and everything else. And so, when you're writing them and you're trying to come up with like, well, this is what Siveth would do, but I know that. That that's going to be outside of our budget and knowing well, well but this is really the right thing and so i'm going to put it in the script and maybe pushing for that and just kind of talking about how your production process your production knowledge is a gift and a curse in terms of the writing of these stories because there's a trade-off there and that fascinates me yeah it is it's harder, it's easier and harder every time, right? Mm-hmm. Because it gets easier because you just have that many more mm-hmm. shows under your belt and you can, um, you can, you know, almost predict what the responses will be yeah. when people read, you know, this on the, on the page and they go, oh, okay, here are the problems. You start ticking yeah. them off. So, and it, and it, but it becomes harder because you want to push yourself in mm-hmm. a way that you haven't pushed before. And you want to sort of say, Hey, can can we raise our own, raise the bar on ourselves here to try and do something more? So I always write knowing that there's a good, you know, whether it's 10 to 15% of what I write, it is not going to happen. Right. But I do feel like I, what I try and really do is, Think about how if I if I make what the action if I make what the characters are feeling and what they believe to be sort of you know if their motivations are crystal clear, mm-hmm. then usually I can find a way to adjust the level of complexity of what's going on. And you know, if, as long as I know the point here is that you know, for instance, there's a scene in which uh, in this movie, Vengeance where the uh, first animal they encounter, which is the bear, and they're fighting the bear, and uh, Siveth is sort of flying in, and she is trying at one point to just pick Lucas up mm-hmm. and take him away. Because I thought to myself, just like you uh, were, were asking about, okay, well, that's what she would do. Right. She wouldn't bother with the bear. She would just sort of fly in, pick him <laughs> up, you know, and like, you know, maybe drop a rock on his head, you know, right. from, from <laughs> 50 feet above and like, and problem done. But shooting that was very difficult, just time-wise and mm-hmm. having the, the action, the choreography of having the dragon swoop in try and grab him have him move out of the way have the you know the action of the bears men running at you keep that tension going and it just sort of started dying like it was Mm -hmm. it was a moment in in the in the in the shooting of it where we just felt it's kind of not happening maybe we should just sort of skip over this but i thought to myself you know well no we can't like that really is what she would do um and so even though we had to simplify it and it may not be the best action moment of the movie, like I guess I'd, I'd say it's one of kind of the scenes that I thought we could have done a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But 
really all that was important was that you knew that's what she wanted to do, right? <laughs> and so if she if she was trying to do that and if Lucas was being stubborn and was not wanting to be picked up, like, no, no, that I don't want to be like a coward or I don't want to, you know, or, you just go, go kill, you know, go after them. You still got everything happening that was logical, mm-hmm. emotionally right for the characters, but you couldn't quite do it you know, how you wanted to. If I, if I'd had my druthers, that would have been her swooping in, reaching for him. He dives out of the way. She, she reaches for him again. He ducks under it. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm trying <laughs> to pick you up. And he is like, I don't want you to pick me up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's trying to be crystal clear about what your intentions are. And then sometimes you just lose, you know, sometimes yeah. you just, you lose something that you love and you have to realize that it's just not going to happen. So we either have to cut it or uh, or make it all happen so that you can shoot it in one day instead of three, which you know it should take. That's really the hardest part about the, these movies at this at this budget level is yeah. you you do have to make these uh, these hard decisions sometimes. And I know I always I always feel it like I'm out there in the middle of Romania. And it's, <laughs> you know, and it's it's forty degrees or something like that, yeah. and we just we ha- we fa- have to face a decision like this. You know that okay, the dragon is not going to be able to do that. It's mm-hmm. going to have to do this. And I just think to myself. Oh, people are gonna kill me over this part, right? Yeah. They're just—they're gonna—they're gonna say that was so lame, and I just have to hope that you know the other parts that aren't lame in that moment kind of make up for it. Yeah. You know, there's just no getting around it. It's—it's it's movie making. It's all active problem solving. Yeah, and I really love—I love the the thought of just like if you have that north star, if you have the compass of like this is the character's intent, then you can dictate whatever compromise you have to make around that absolute truth of like, yeah. this is what the scene has to do yeah i'd say that's that's <laughs> that's that gets you out of it yeah in some way or another well uh usually when we get to the end of a franchise not that it's the end but you know the end of an episode of or, what we have to talk about yeah the current the current the current <laughs> uh, end of the franchise uh we like to uh sometimes guess at what might be coming up next oh, yes. or something ah. and i don't know if anyone has any things but i wanted to talk about my crackpot theory okay i want to hear these theories yes i have a crackpot theory that i came up with today just today. <laughs> so I know you so I know you were talking about how uh Drake and a new beginning is kind of like off on its own uh thing, but I was thinking, you know, this is the first time we've had an ice dragon, but then I was like, wait a minute. Drake also had like he had a fire lung and an ice lung, right? Mm-hmm. And his egg was found in Draco's cave. Mm-hmm. But we never really know who the mother is, right? I don't think. Mm-hmm. So what if Sivith is the mother with Draco. That's that's my crackpot. Yeah, but also, are they like brother and sister? Uh, yeah, I don't know how that works exactly. In, in, in my mind, they are from okay. the same clutch of eggs in a way, but that but they're kind of all like these mystical creatures made right. of stardust. Mm. I don't think they have brothers and sisters okay. exactly uh, like we do. Yeah. Okay. So I think we can Theory get around that one. That's, that, that's my get out of jail free ticket for that one. Yeah. <laughs> and Magic. I, I would say that your theory is extremely possible. Mm. Um, nice. I, I, I can't, con- I can't confirm it yet, but, but extremely possible. Um, and it would go a long way to making that uh, Griffin um, Dragonheart Two Island make more sense. Yeah, there's yeah. the gap. Yeah, wasn't there like a Chinese dragon in that group too? But that no. was a uh, yeah, that was like an older dragon though. Right? Oh, okay. They were yeah, trapped in a man's body. I didn't know body. he was one right. of the eggs <laughs> yeah. or something. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Now that sequel was made. Uh, 
in I think it was 2001 that it came out. So it was fairly close after yeah. the original. And it was just a different kind of, it was a different time of movie making. Mm-hmm. And I think they went for a much younger audience with it, right? Because mm-hmm. they had, uh, the, the cast was much younger. Yeah, yes. And the dragon, obviously, it was younger. Effects were more limited at that time. Oh, yeah, so yeah. there are a lot of, shall we say, um, I think things that would be done differently yeah. you know, nowadays, yeah. which is kind of why it just, and being a sequel, it can just sort of stay as mm. uh, yeah. on that side of the movie, uh, on side of the original movie, and we can do anything we want on you know the previous side. Yeah, I'm curious if you guys have ever discussed uh, like going back into the like present timeline of where you know because Drake is still alive at the end of that movie too, mm-hmm. and supposedly having adventures with uh, his friend. I can't remember his that name. Guy from Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, uh, no, we've okay. never discussed that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, good to know. I know that I want to see, and I, I maybe it's maybe it's part of the the TV show you mentioned, or maybe it's its own movie. I want to see the Southern Desert folks with just like a warlord warlord dragon that's just like the evil one that's just like <laughs> let's conquer and like, like 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 it's the complete opposite. I don't know who the the protagonist is in this story, <laughs> but like that's like I was fascinated by that. Like I really I really liked that the Four Corners villains. I felt like it really expanded the universe. And I, I want to see, like, oh, they have an egg, they have this prophecy, and like that's maybe part of the thing that causes the rift of like that. There's this, there's this dragon that's just like, nope, like let's conquer as many things as we can. I think that's a great idea, and yeah. I, I really like. I think that's another way to, to, you know, like we talked about, you know, the one dragon is the runt. Yeah. I think another dragon can simply be uh, gullible, yeah. or or naive, or mm-hmm. maybe. You know, this is, I mean, it's not literal what I'm saying, it, but, you know, maybe just didn't pay attention in school. Like, it, yeah. didn't, it didn't learn the lessons from mm. Drago that mm. Siveth did. It, in fact, it internalized them in a different way and is completely misrepresenting. Yeah. Mm. Right? And it's become a tyrant. Yeah. Or, like, yeah, I think or, that would be fantastic. Or those people, you know, they, they fit on all these stories and maybe the whole arc is him realizing, like, oh, like, everything that they told me was a lie. Like, they're, like I'm their religion and that religion is wrong. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Of course, now the trick is that we would always have to find a way in which there is a bit of dragon goodness. Yes, so exactly. Yeah, it's, just be, like, it's like turning on them. Right. I'm like, oh, no. Would that, be, would that be a story about a dragon that finds its, yes. uh, yeah. its moral center and, and, and so we goes kind of from, from bad to good? Yes. Or would that be one where there's another dragon in it? The two and, dragon and, movie. The two and dragon and movie. Maybe that's the two dragon <laughs> yes. movie. Yeah. The magical. Yes. The magical. <laughs> the magical. Dragon movie. Yes. The unicorn. <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah, and not to be all you know affirmative action about it or whatever, but we have a, a lady dragon now, and I know we had those twins last time, but a female human protagonist. Yes, would be that, cool. yes. that is a hundred percent on my yeah, radar. Yeah, awesome. that would definitely be awesome. Um, I'm pitching that for, for the next. If I can, if I get the chance to write another one, that's my pitch. Is sweet. that it will be about uh, a female protagonist? It's yeah. about time. And yeah. then also because I just like the fact that. Uh, you know, we've had so many sequels. Now, it would be cool to see some of the human characters from different movies somehow coming back and interacting. Mm-hmm. I know the timelines aren't quite there, but as you said, this one takes place within. So there's it's possible. Definitely it possibility. Cool. And, uh, you know, we have a relationship between Siveth and um, uh, Darius in this story. And so there's no reason, you know, if we mm-hmm. uh, can... If the actors want to come back and it works, mm-hmm. there's no reason we couldn't continue those yeah. adventures and, you know, 
see what happens next to them. Darius seems like a guy who could turn up anywhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> in, yeah, in whatever fashion of the, exactly. of the area that he has, he'll be, he'll be looking yeah. for that. That was fun. Uh, well, I think we might wrap up here. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, it was so great having you on this episode. Thank yes. you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'd love to come back anytime. Yeah, Absolutely. and I know you said that people can, of course, help out by uh, posting or giving ratings and thumbs up or whatever it is online. But are there any other um, projects that you want to talk about, or where can people keep up with you? Uh, on Twitter, people can keep up with me. I'm at Matthew GF. And wait, is that right? I think so. <laughs> I yeah. think so. Yeah, Matthew GF. We'll post and, it too. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, uh, no, yes, right. there's right. a Facebook, uh, page, uh, Dragonheart Facebook page. People can go to that. And there's also on Instagram, there's a, uh, Dragonheart, uh, account that people can, uh, interact with. So those are all great places. Uh, I lurk on them. So I read, I read messages and read comments and I'm very brave that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wade through comments, the good and the bad. The bad I, yes. I, I'm, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I can, I can take do it. it. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. <laughs> Well, that's great. Um, well, yeah, that that's going to bring us to the end of the uh, episode on Dragonheart Vengeance. Yeah, it's it's on Netflix now. You can watch it. Tell your friends about it. Oh, I forgot to mention too at the beginning of the movie. I don't know. Were you guys watching close enough when the uh, main title comes up? The V comes up first. It does. It does. I thought that was cool. <laughs> <I liked it. laughs> Dragonheart five. <laughs> <laughs> Little Easter egg for people that remember Roman numerals. <laughs> exactly. I, I put it. I put that. I put the V in bold. In the yeah. Yes. 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 That's awesome. Yes. Oh man. Well, we, we were just complaining a bunch about how Bad Boys for Life is not the fourth movie. Oh <laughs> yes. Movie. So, Missed opportunity. I'm glad somebody's paying attention right. to these numbers. <laughs> anyway, uh, send us an email for what other things you guys want to see. We'll be back uh, to Highlander, but you know, after that, uh, let us know what you want, and also find us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sequel Rights. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Put what Dragon Age stories did you want to see in the comments, and we'll talk about them on air, and maybe we'll even repost them to the Facebook. Dragon Age, Tyler? I'm sorry, Dragon Heart. <laughs> I told you I was going to do it once. Dra- I told you I was going to do it once. Dragon Age is cool, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah Dragon Age is cool. Uh, well, awesome. Thank you again uh, for Matthew Feitchens for being here uh, to talk with us this week. We'll be back next week with Highlander, The Final Dimension. The third uh, film in the series. But in the meantime, we're going to spend uh, the rest of the week jamming out to the Dragonheart theme. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> From uh, Mark McKenzie's new score. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. 